Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year, especially in the playoffs now. <laughs> so so do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what I have in store in episode number 166. We're talking the week in review, week number 14. Pretty fun week in the NFL. High scoring week for sure for the NFL teams and for fantasy teams. The week started with 64 points scored on Thursday night, and then Sunday night ended with a 75 point game. Eight teams scored more than 30 points in week 14, and fantasy rosters reaped the benefit in their march to the playoffs. So this is it now. The fantasy regular season is over, and we know which teams are in the playoffs. I made the playoffs in five of my 10 leagues, which is a lower percentage than usual, which is disappointing for me. But I do have a legitimate chance to win the Fantasy Super Bowl in all those leagues, so I'm excited about the playoffs and want to do my best to do what I can to bring home some championships. Brought back three last year uh, in my 10 leagues and hope that I can bring back a similar number uh, this year. But let's get on to week number 14 after following all the games this week. I've got kind of 10 observations for the week, some dynasty impact you know, that it has on our players. And then we'll talk a little bit of waiver wire, even though it's kind of a weird time of the year to be scrubbing the waiver wire. If you are a dynasty freak, you're sticking with it. And then we'll talk about trades. Again, there's a lot of trades this week as teams were selling to the playoff teams and trying to pick up some draft picks if they are rebuilding. A lot of trades that happened this last week in my leagues. Let's just talk briefly, too, just about 10 observations. First one I would say is what I would call the uh, COVID crumble in, in many leagues. Uh, this last week of the regular season felt like it was more like the first week of the playoffs because managers were faced with winning in games. I know I had a couple of those myself. I know how it felt. Uh, I, know I felt that way with several of my teams. And so the COVID crumble, as I call it, it was really devastating for many managers. Keenan Allen got COVID earlier in the week but was thought to have a chance to play, but then he was ruled out. And then very last minute, Jamal Williams, Daryl Henderson were placed on the COVID lit list, uh, leaving their managers in a lurch. And not necessarily COVID here, but then Elijah Moore well, went from you know went from being questionable to being placed on IR really late in the week, effectively eliminating him from rosters during the playoffs. Then even last night on Monday night, the the Tyler Higby news that came out late to know that there's probably a lot of managers that had him in their starting lineups and got nothing from him because of that late news. I'm going to remember this as the COVID crumbling week. I think they said on the broadcast last night there were 37 uh, people not playing because of COVID. Uh, this week, which was the highest number this season. Uh, pretty discouraging, and I uh, hate to be a downer, but thinking about that happening again uh, in the playoffs is going to be pretty devastating to Dynasty teams in the playoffs. Second observation, going back to Thursday night, I'll call it cooking with gas. Uh, one questionable player was a surprise active, and he carried his teams to wins this last week. Unless unaware managers kept him on the bench, which did happen. So a week after dislocating his shoulder, Dalvin Cook was active and wearing a shoulder harness for protection, and the Vikings did not limit him at all. Uh, on Thursday night, he had 27 carries for 205 yards and two touchdowns in route to 35-point fantasy day. Unfortunately, some dynasty managers were either cautious or just uninformed because he scored those points on their bench. 
My group me was buzzing Thursday night with ridiculous with ridicule for those who did not start Cook. There were two of my leagues where he was not in the starting lineup. I believe in the start your studs theory. Uh, even if your player has been questionable all week in what seems to be like an injury that could be re-aggravated easily. For instance, I started Debo Samuel this week in every league that I have him because he's a stud and I believe I have to start him when he's active. And Debo helped my teams this week, whereas Cook carried his teams this week. Oh man, feel bad for those fantasy managers. Start your studs. One of the uh, we've got one a punishment for the loser in one of my leagues, and that person you know came in last place because they didn't start Cook on this last week. Next, I'll say a career best. This is crazy. In the third year of his career, Rashad Penny scored his most fancy points of his career on Sunday. He had two long touchdowns of 32 and 47 yards that helped him score a career high 26 points fantasy points. Unfortunately, he was most likely on Dynasty Team's benches in most leagues, just because he hasn't done anything all year. But that said, I had the joy of playing against him, as one manager was uh, you know, subbed in Penny for Daryl Henderson after the COVID list thing happened. Thankfully, I was still able to come back and win in the afternoon games, but I dreaded the thought that I would get beat by, of all people, Rashad Penny, who has been injured or done nothing for most of his entire career. If I had Penny on any of my rosters right now, I'd immediately place him on the trading block. Um, I don't believe Seattle sees, you know, sees him as the running back one of their future, even if it fed him the ball a lot to end this season. And if they give him a steady workload as they did on Sunday, I don't trust him to stay healthy in, in the first place. So if I were not in the playoffs and I had Penny on my roster, I'd try to sell him to a playoff team uh, for their playoff run if I could right now. Next observation, I'll call it Rocky Start. Uh, Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence could not be off to worse start to their NFL careers. Uh, Rumors circled this last week that Urban may be the one-and-done coach, and I think he should be. Even after a week of lip service about giving James Robinson more carries, uh, he touched the ball just six times and did not have a single target on Sunday. This season, uh, the Jaguars do not have a single fantasy-relevant wide receiver that you can trust, and Trevor Lawrence is a mess. Uh, Lawrence is the best prospect to enter the draft since Peyton Manning, but he's just been terrible this year. Uh, he's thrown two touchdowns and six interceptions over the last seven weeks, including four interceptions on Sunday. Uh, Manning, he also had a disastrous rookie season, too. So the story is certainly not over on Lawrence, but this first chapter looks pretty gross. Uh, I want to say that this is an excellent time to buy low on Lawrence, but as long as he's tied to Meyer right now, I don't think I'd be willing to pay the price for Lawrence because I just don't trust Urban Meyer. Jacksonville is a disaster right now. Next observation, I'll call it the next Julian Edelman. Hunter Renfro, he's the next Julian Edelman. Uh, This season, he's a PPR monster with one of the safest floors every single week. He scored double-digit fantasy points in 8 of 13 weeks this season. And since Darren Waller has been out, he's averaged 18 points per game. Uh, He's averaging more than 8 targets per game and has a catch rate of 80% because his routes are so shallow. He's a savvy route runner that does what Edelman used to do uh, in New England. He gets open in zones, uh, he gets open on rub routes, and he converts on third down. He's just doing that all season long. Sadly, I dropped Renfro from my roster at the start of this season in the only league where I had him. And this week, I uh, picked the you know I picked the team that I played against a team that picked him up off the waiver wire, and he almost beat me this week uh, because of it. As he's one that I regret letting go of. It's one of my biggest roster decision mistakes that I've made this season. Uh, Hunter Renfro just gets it done. Next observation, I'll call the next top tier tight ends. 
Dawson Knox and Pat Fryermuth scored touchdowns again this week, which is about all a tight end has to do to finish in the top 12 for, for a week. And headed into week 14, Knox was the ninth-ranked tight end of the year, and Fryermuth was the 14th. But after this week, they're both going to be top 12 for the year, and they're both actually top 12 in my dynasty rankings too. I have Knox ranked 7th, and I have Fryermuth ranked 10th in my dynasty rankings for tight ends. I believe that both are approaching the top tier of tight ends and will become the next top tier in the next few years while guys like Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller kind of age out. Uh, both pl- players are you know, primary red zone targets on their teams and score the touchdowns needed you know, to make a tight end, a top 12 tight end for the season. Uh, the time to buy them, unfortunately, the time to buy them low has since passed, but even with their market high, these are players that I'd be willing to try to get at their young age, knowing that they're going to be tight end ones for many, many years to come. Next thing, I hate to talk about it. I'll call it the cheat code. Uh, Taysom Hill is <laughs> terrible uh, to watch, but he's still got the fantasy cheat code. Uh, I hedged my bets this week, starting him in one league. In that league, he didn't do enough to get me a win. And then I, I hedged my bets on the other side, benching him in another league that I would have won if I started him because he scored 26 points in that league, and Matt Stafford last night scored 24, which meant I lost by two points. I would have won by less than a point had I started Taysom Hill. He is so frustrating. It was even more frustrating than usual this this last week, because he was playing terribly and keeping the hapless Jets in the game until five minutes left in the game when he had a two-yard touchdown run, and then the final possession, he broke up a 44-touchdown run with one minute left in the game, when the Saints didn't even need him to do that. They were just trying to run out the clock. 16 of his 28 fantasy points, or in some leagues, 26 fantasy points, uh, came in the last five minutes of the game. So if you're willing to ride with Taysom Rollercoaster in the fantasy playoffs, more power to you, but I just couldn't do it. Um, I'm tired of doing it. I think his ride's going to come to an end, by the way, this next week when he finally plays a tough defense in the Saints when they play Tampa Bay next week. Taysom Hill, he's been a cheat code. It's annoying to watch. Um, you're you're on a you can ride the roller coaster. I'm done with it. I'm not starting him again. Solidifying roles is my next point here. I know it's not fun to write or talk about teams that have you know bad snap counts and tar, you know and teams that are bad, but the snap counts and the target share in Houston's passing game are really becoming more and more clear in recent weeks, and they really give dynasty managers a chance to buy in on players while the team looks terrible. Uh, Brandon Cooks. Leads the team in snaps and targets. That's not pretty obvious. But behind him, there's two forgotten rookies who've solidified starting roles. Since week six, Nico Collins has been the second on the team in wide receiver snaps and targets, though he's not really had a single breakout game. Now, that makes him the perfect player to buy low on right now. And Brevin Jordan is uh, outsnapped uh, by Farrell Brown right now, but Jordan is the only tight end used in the passing game. Jordan scored another touchdown on Sunday, giving him three touchdowns since he started playing in week eight. Uh, one more touchdown, and he's going to be on the Dynasty Manager's radar for sure. Um, he's another player that I would recommend buying this week. You might even be able to pick him off, off your waiver wire right now. He's a perfect guy to try to stash here at the end of the season and hold on to um, into next year. Final point that I'll make before we jump into the waiver wire, I'll call it It's Been a While, and that's Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is one of my favorite players to watch because he's so good at getting hidden yards, uh, you know, tough yards in, in, in the middle, and then he's got the breakaway speed when he gets through the front line of the defense. 
Uh, I've come to pretty much expect when I have him on my roster to have you know 40 plus yard touchdown from Chubb you know every other week or so. But it's been a while since he's done it this season. He had a 52 yard touchdown in week five and a 70 yard touchdown in week nine. But those are his only two you know breakaway long touchdowns of the season. I think he's due for a few long touchdown runs during the fantasy playoffs this season. Uh, Cleveland had a pretty weird scheduling anomaly over the last three weeks, playing Baltimore twice, uh, one before the bye week, then the bye week, then played them again afterward. The division rival that knows them well stifled the Browns' running game, holding Chubb just to 75 yards of total rushing during those two games. The last three weeks, including a bye week, just Chubb hasn't helped teams. But Chubb plays two of the worst run defenses in weeks 15, Las Vegas, and 17, Pittsburgh, and has a tough matchup against Green Bay in week 16. I expect at least two uh, more long-distant touchdowns from Chubb during the fantasy playoffs. It's been a while, but I really believe that he's due and is going to help the managers who have him on their rosters in the playoffs. Those are my 10 observations from week number 14. Let's talk just a little bit of waiver wire. Um, as a reminder, I do play in 27 to 30-man leagues. So the players that I list here are for deep leagues only. If you play in shallower leagues, there's certainly better players than this to pick up off the wire. But here's what I'd be excited about doing this week. And I know it's hard to get excited about the waiver wire this late in the season, but I do think there's at least one player who can help teams in the playoffs and a few players to consider holding until next season. First is Justin Jackson. Jackson was spelling Austin Eckler on Sunday even before Eckler was injured in the second half. It's been a difficult season to know which running back is the true handcuff for Eckler, which is why Jackson, Joshua Kelly, and Larry Roundtree are on the waiver wire in most leagues. Uh, Jackson is the best football player of these three, I believe, but he always gets injured when he gets a chance to have this leading role. If Eckler misses times in the fantasy playoffs, I bet the Chargers you know, uh, will like to, to ride Jackson uh, during their playoff push. Uh, hopefully, for Eckler managers, this doesn't happen. You, you know that if you have an Eckler on your team, you're probably in the playoffs, and you, man, you want to see him in the playoffs. But if not, if this ankle injury does linger, Jackson is the player that I'd be excited about adding this week. Next would be uh, Brashad Perriman. Uh, Perriman only caught one ball on Sunday, but it was that game-winning touchdown in overtime. What's more important from a dynasty perspective, though, is that he's seen 105 snaps over the last two weeks, and Tampa Bay signed him uh, to their active roster two weeks ago. Uh, next season, Chris Godwin may not be back with the Buccaneers, leaving an open spot really for Perriman or maybe Tyler Johnson to fill. Uh, Perriman's worth adding just to hold this offseason while Godwin tests free agency um, this offseason. Rajad Perriman is someone that I consider adding this week. And last would be Alan Lazard. Just when you thought Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling shored up the wide receiver two role, uh, Sunday night Lazard was second on the team in targets. And he really looks the part when he does play, and I think he's going to get more opportunities to play now that Randall Cobb is injured. So his future is certainly uncertain in Green Bay, as is the future of Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay. Uh, so he's not someone I'd look to add in every league, but I might uh, try to just add him as a, as a dynasty piece to hold on to until next year in uh, one or two of my leagues. Those are really the only players there. So let's talk and finish up today by talking about some fantasy trades. Uh, like I always say, trades are hard to grade in a vacuum since scoring systems are different and you don't really know what managers are trying to do with their roster construction and intent. So I like to talk about trades that took place in my leagues and I look at the teams and decide you know, what it was that they were thinking. And man, this week there were a lot of what I call playoff push trades in my leagues. Those that you know that had dead deadlines that extended like once the playoff starts. There were a lot of last-minute trades that took place. Um, most of these trades were made between the contenders and the rebuilders as the contenders get ready to gear up for their playoff run. 
starting this week. All right, let's talk about some of these trades. The first one was one I made. Devonta Freeman for Robert Woods. Devonta Freeman for Robert Woods. I narrowly missed the playoffs in this 14-team all-flex league. Uh, so I put Freeman on the trading block to help another team in the playoff run. Figured he's a piece, particularly in this 14-team 14 14-team 14 league. Uh, Freeman's going to be an every week starter during the playoffs. Uh, so I put him on the, the trading block. I got lots of different offers, but I uh, rejected all of them and finally countered with this one. Devonta Freeman for Robert Woods, a player that wasn't going to help a team because he's on IR uh, for a player that's going to help a team. And I like what I got here in Woods. Uh, I'm not sure that Woods can return from his injury next year and be a top 12 receiver like he was before he got injured this year. But I love the Rams offense, and I think even if he comes back from his injury, even to be like a top 24 wide receiver for a season or two, even though he's older in age, I think this trade is a good value uh, for me giving up Freeman to get Robert Woods. Next, I'll talk about two trades that were made by one manager in a certain league. He traded uh, Diami Brown for a 2023 fourth-round pick, and then he gave, traded for Jalen Rager, and he gave up Ronald Jones in a 22 third-round pick. So he ended up getting Diami Brown and Jalen Rager from two different teams, but he gave up Ronald Jones a 2022 third and a 2023 fourth-round pick. So a third and a fourth, Ronald Jones got Brown and Rager. Uh, the team that you know acquired Brandon Rager, I think, has a really good roster, but he just had a bad season due to injuries, and he was definitely just looking to get younger at the wide receiver position by making some you know considerably low ball uh, offers at first and second round players that have, you know first you know they were first and second round draft picks in in our dynasty leagues, but right now appear to be busts in their career. I think it's a good strategy to buy back players around later than when they were drafted in rookie drafts when they underperform like this. So I really like what this manager did by getting himself two gifted players that had nice draft capital with their teams. I especially like what he did, you know, what he had to give up because he didn't give up too much. Just Ronald Jones, a third and a fourth. Even if just one of these players becomes what we thought that they could be, Diami Brown and Jalen Rager, um, if one of them develops into that, you know, even becoming a flex-worthy player on his team, he did uh, really well by making these trades, I think. Next trade was uh, Kirk Cousins and a 2022 second round pick for Cam Akers. Kirk Cousins and a 2022 second round pick for Cam Akers. The team that acquired Akers in this trade is in full rebuild mode and was willing to take the risk, uh, giving up one of his valuable draft picks for Akers, who was a top 12 dynasty running back before the season, before tearing his Achilles. So if Aker returns healthy, this trade could really feel like a steal in this one quarterback league. I should have said that at the start of one quarterback league. There are a few you know, professional athletes that have recently returned after coming back from um, Achilles repairs that they've, they've done you know, well. I think he's baking here on Akers to be the next guy that does so. As for the other side of the trade, Cousins is perpetually underrated and will likely finish as a top 12 quarterback again this year. And the team that received Cousins only has one reliable future starter on his team. It's Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. The rest of his quarterbacks could really be replaced in the offseason. Guys like Heineke and uh, Bridgewater could really be replaced this offseason. So he really only has a steady you know, future quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. So he was just buying a second quarterback. Um, and I think that was good for him. And the second round pick is going to be pick number 13 because in this 12-team league, uh, the, the, the player, the, the team that got Akers, is, like I said, is in full rebuild mode, and he does have the first pick of next year's draft. So in the second round, it's going to be pick number 13. So that's a pretty valuable pick for him, too. So I think this trade could help both of their teams 
or it could look very lopsided from now, uh, a year from now. It all depends on Acre's health. Uh, one, one manager was willing to take a pretty big risk on it. Next trade's a pretty minor one, but I'll mention it because it was did happen in my league. Was Traquan Smith for Jamison Crowder and a fourth round pick. Traquan Smith for Jamison Crowder and a fourth round pick. This trade was a small trade between two rebuilding teams. Uh, they will have the first and second round pick in the draft next year. Uh, one owner has been making offers to get Smith off of his roster. He made several to me. Obviously, uh, he could not ask for very much for Traquan Smith, but I guess he finally found a manager who would take a bet on his upside. At, you know, at the price of an older player and a late pick like he did with Jamison Crowder in a fourth-round pick. It's a fair trade, but I don't think either team will see these players or these picks you know, result in you know, starting lineups in their future, uh, if at all. Two more picks that are perfect examples of last-second trades to help teams in a playoff run. Uh, one was Jamal Williams for a 2023 second-round pick. Uh, the top team in this league and defending champion, He's the one that acquired Williams for his playoff run, and the rebuilding team uh, picked up a late-round pick for it, and you know picked up a, a second-round pick for it. Um, of course, the trade was made for Williams was was made before he was placed on the COVID list. Thankfully, in this league, uh, only four teams make the playoffs in this ten-team league, and the playoffs don't start till week 16. So at least this team has one more week of the regular season to have Williams get back healthy and help them in their playoff run. I feel like it's a pretty even trade Trade given the goals of each manager. Jamal Williams could definitely become a uh, flex or starter uh, for the playoff run team. And to get back a second-round pick uh, in 2023, uh, that's pretty good. I'd, I'd definitely be willing to do that if I was a rebuilding team. Similar trade, uh, Sony Michelle was traded for a 2023 third-round pick. And this trade took place in that 14-team all-flex league that I'm in. Uh, the team that received Michelle is the top team in the league, and he's just banking on Michelle, getting more playtime. While Henderson is slowed by injury, or for now, COVID, um, the rebuilding team is compiling a lot of 2022 and 2023 picks and was happy just to get rid of Michelle to the highest bidder and got it for a third-round pick. It's a pretty classic contender-slash-rebuilder uh, kind of trade that helps both teams, but that's the price of Michelle right now. I know one of the other managers on group, me in another one of my leagues last night, was, was saying, uh, Michelle looks good. Someone come get him. <laughs> so we've got a trade deadline. Uh, that just passed so uh, at the end of Monday night, so it's too late now. Everyone's in their playoff runs, which means I probably won't be talking about trades in next week's podcast, but the good thing, next week's podcast we'll be talking about uh, the playoffs and what's been happening in the playoffs. So hope that your teams have done well and survived, and hope that you'll keep listening no matter where you are in the Dynasty landscape, because if you're a Dynasty freak, you are managing your teams 365 days a year. That's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on email than I am on Twitter, so contact me on email. Uh, be honored, too, if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Uh, thanks for listening. I do appreciate your support. I want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.